I feel the same. Too much pleasure is pain. My girl spites me in vain. All I do is complain. She needs something to change. Need to take off the ass. So fuck it all tonight. And don't tell me to shut up when you know you talk too much. But you don't got shit to say. I want you out of my head. I want you out of my bedroom tonight. There's no way I can save you. Cause I need to be safe too. I'm no good at goodbyes. Justin, me and you feel the same. There was a lot of pleasure, but now there's too much pain. Eli spited us, and all we did was complain. We needed something to change, so fuck it all tonight. Don't tell us to shut up. We've all talked way too much. And really now, we don't got shit to say. Eli, I wanted you off the field. There's no way we could save you. But now, Justin, you and I need to be saved. And I'm, f- I'm finding that I'm no good at goodbyes. Now, without further ado, let's bleed blue. A plus effort. A plus intro, David. Justin, I don't know how to feel. Um, like I said, we're, I feel like we're no good at goodbyes. Uh, it was literally 48 hours ago that I was like ranting and raving about how it was time. It just needed to happen. And I still feel that way. And I think a lot of the fan base does. Um, and Justin, I know you're in a similar situation, but it's like, it's surreal. You know, I went to the game on Sunday, you and I both did. And I don't know if you got this on your way out but they were giving out the 2019 team captain's poster um, and on, you know, front center is Eli Manning. And it's just surreal. I was seven years old when Eli Manning took over the New York football giants as their starting quarterback. And he has been my quarterback for as long as I can remember. I remember like a half a season with Kurt Warner. He's my, he's been my quarterback and, and I've wanted no other quarterback leading my football team, but it's time. You and I both agree it's time. So I, I think we should try very hard to, to give Eli some due. Um, but we need to focus, you know, the team is obviously focusing on moving forward and I think we should do the same, but Justin, I'm going to let you share your thoughts. Uh, I know we both probably have a lot of thoughts. Uh, so let's try to keep this somewhat brief and we can get into actually talking about what happened today. I've been to over 60 giants games in my short little life that I've had. And Eli Manning has been the quarterback for every single one. You know, very similar to most Giants fans who have been watching ever since 2004. You know, Eli Manning, besides that one game, but particularly at MetLife Stadium, you know, he's been the only ever quarterback to uh, to step foot on the football field for the New York Football Giants and start a game and finish a game. It's a sad day. It really is a sad day. It is an exciting day. But this day was coming. Did not think that it would come this soon. Surprised at the timing of this because I did think it was going to take the Giants time to move away from Eli Manning because of the skeleton in the closet they have from that 2016 debacle and that decision. Thought it was going to take them some time. It's a sad day. Sad day, but exciting day. Um, I'm certainly going to take a lot of time um, basically, from today is Tuesday up until Friday, reflecting on Eli Manning as our quarterback. And then once Friday comes along, Saturday comes along, I'll be getting excited for what will be 
hopefully the next 10 to 15 years, very similar to the type of performances that Eli Manning has given us over the years. Get excited for Daniel Jones. I mean, I want to take this week to reflect on the legacy of Eli Manning while he is still on the football team and while the memory of of him playing in blue, even if it wasn't that great, the memory of him playing in blue is still fresh. I want to reflect on that because hopefully for the next 15 years, we're not going to have to worry about the quarterback position, very similar to how he did not have to worry about it in terms of who was going to be suiting up for the New York football giants for the next 15 years. Yeah, it dawned on me. If you're a Giants fan out there and you don't feel lucky to have had Eli Manning as your quarterback for 16 years, I I don't know what to tell you. Um, You can argue the last two years, um, but no matter what, obviously he played the game as classy as you you could possibly hope. Um, it, It takes a rare kind of guy I think to handle the New York media the way he has um, for his entire career, because he has never been without blame uh, for any struggles the team has gone through. And it dawned on me, do you understand, Justin, that if things go according to plan, and I would say according to plan would mean that Daniel Jones plays quarterback for the Giants for, you know, the our norm is 10 years now. It, it, 10, 10 years is a minimum. Eli Manning has set that precedent. And, and there's a belief in the building, and I think a belief in the fan base, that Eli Manning is passing the torch to the next Eli Manning, to, to his true successor. If that actually happens, do you understand Daniel Jones will be our quarterback in 2030? Take that into account. Think about that. Just to put into perspective how long Eli Manning quarterbacked this team and how much of a constant he was for this team. When you, when you put it into the idea of going from ye, you know a year, a start year to an end year, we're looking at him starting in 2019, and if he were to match the 16 years that Eli played, which I'm not saying he necessarily will, that's a, that's a tall task to ask of anybody, but if that did happen, he would be the quarterback in 2035. 2030, I, I, like 2035 feels like the Jetsons to me. Feels like we're going to have like you know remote control cars in the air. That we can like, you know, and and it's, we're going to be like having hologram, hologram food for dinner every night. Just just putting into perspective, and I think it's important today, because obviously I think there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement. Um, I think people will will come to their excitement at different rates. Um, but obviously there's a lot of people who are trying to come to grips with this and and try to you know, make sense of this. And there are, there are a lot of people who aren't happy who still believe that Eli is the right direction for this team. I don't really get that, but there are people who believe that. So I think it's important here in the beginning of this episode to just point out what a remarkable career, you know, obviously this is assuming that, that this is the, this will essentially mark, you know, the, the, the end of Eli's career. What a remarkable giants career Eli Manning has had. And, and it, it's normal to us, but it's abnormal to the rest of the league. And like you said, we can get really excited for Daniel Jones, and I think we will in time. I'm already a little excited. But yeah, and and the greatest thing about Eli is I have no doubt in my mind that he will handle this as the professional that he is, and he will take it in stride, and he will do his, like he said, do his best to be a teammate, to be the best teammate he can be. I believe he'll mentor Daniel Jones, continue to. Um, and there's, in my eyes, there's probably no no more valuable backup quarterback in the NFL. Now he is, he is probably the most valuable backup in the NFL. I will never fault the man for his competitive spirit and his competitive desire to go out and win. But David, it's, it's a tough look to have $17 million sitting on the bench. It's, it's a tough look. And honestly, David, that's one of the reasons why I didn't think they would make the move so quickly. Because the fact that you're just letting, you're going to have that $17 million sitting on the bench for two years. Now, this can be considered a small nitpick of Dave Gettleman, at least for this year. But David, think about this. Eli Manning's $17 million contract. Odell Beckham Jr.'s $16 million dead cap hit. Olivier Vernon's dead cap hit. Eli Apple's dead cap hit. Snacks Harrison's dead cap hit. And I'm probably forgetting a guy in there that we've traded away or that we've cut. Oh, Patrick Omame's dead cap hit because he signed a three-year deal. Now, you can 
value and acknowledge that the fact that, oh, these guys haven't worked out. So Dave Gettleman was willing to cut ties and he was willing to just not keep these guys hanging around. But I made the joke on Twitter that you could build a uh, you could build a state of the art school <laughs> with with the Giants dead cap money plus Eli Manning's 17 million dollars. That's just going to be on the bench. I don't know what to make of that. But that's why I'm kind of surprised that they did make this move so early. That's so much cap. That's so much dead money. And even though Eli's contract isn't considered dead money, it basically is since he's going to be on the bench. I I get it. I got your point. You know, I think there are certain things that that look better. You know, hindsight's 20-20. Absolutely right. I'm not nitpicking and I'm not criticizing that the fact that Jones is starting. You know, I was, you know, I was the one to say that I wanted Jones starting day one. Right. And there's, and there was a lot of people out there who said maybe, you know, maybe that's even true, but when you're paying a guy this much money, you can't not play him. And I think, um, Correct. You, you know, Justin, you made a comment uh, before the game, you made a comment to me uh, on Sunday about Alec Ogletree shouldn't be starting. You know, they replaced Tay Davis with Ryan Connolly in the lineup. And you said, you know, I don't know why Alec Ogletree is starting. And I said, it's, well, you're not going to, you're not going to, not start a guy who's making $10 million. That's what $10 million will do for you. Those things, unfortunately, they hold value when it comes to making roster decisions. But I think in, in, in this case, I truly believe that, that the front office, I still think they believe this is a, this is a team they can win with. And I think the handwriting is on the wall that, that, you know, put the blame wherever you want for the 0-2 start. And I think there's blame to go around. Eli is no doubt within that realm of blame. And Eli has the least amount of excuses going for him. Um, and, and he has now pioneered six out of seven 0-2 teams. And all of those teams had their own issues, but there's been a constant, and the constant's been the quarterback. And I don't know any other NFL quarterback and any any other NFL team and fan base that would put up with that much. It's not mediocrity. It's piss poor performance. I don't know any other team that would give one guy over and over again, the benefit of the doubt. And they've done it up until now. And finally they're saying there's too much. There's too many things that are new. There are too many things that are quote unquote improved. There are too many guys who are going to get better to keep running in the same circle in one spot. It's like having it's like having a you know one of your tires stuck in the mud. You can't go anywhere. It just spins its wheels. Even though the rest of the wheels are ready to go and ready to start moving, there's one wheel stuck. You got to do something to get that wheel out. And despite his contract, despite the dead money, all of those things at some point you got you need to just say you got to eat the fact that you were wrong. And they're finally eating the fact that they were wrong. And it's it's just time. Isn't this just another great reason why the NFL draft should be before free agency? Now, I know that's not the best thing for players. So this isn't something the Players Association would be arguing during the next CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, because players are going to want their money. Players would not be in favor of that because a team's decision on whether or not they're going to give me money be dependent on the NFL draft. You want a team going that's going to give you money because they want to give you re- money regardless because they have a need. So you, uh, I can imagine players want free agency to happen before the draft because then they're you know they're guaranteed that money. Do you understand what I'm saying, David? I think to take your point a step further, it's not just a matter of players are going to take you because of need. It players, veteran players, rely on desperation in teams. That's how they make their money. It's teams that say, we need we need somebody at this position, and this guy is the best one we can do. That's how Nate Solder ends up with the largest, at the time, largest contract for, a, for an offensive lineman. That's how Olivier Vernon cashes out after a very good NFL career up to that point. That, that's how that happens. It's because teams get desperate, and they, get, feel like they, they feel like they're in a corner, and they're not sure if they can answer those things in the draft. Yeah, I mean, because if if the NFL draft is before free agency, then you're talking about possibly the New York football giants can make a decision on Eli Manning and he can have a proper retirement and 
It could be a proper closing rather than what we have right now, which is sad, which is incredibly, incredibly sad. So I don't know. That, that's that's a hype. It's a hypothetical. Maybe the owners can argue for it. Maybe the owners can argue for it for the next C- CBA. Justin, I want to pose. I, I want to get these out of the way um, before before anything else. Let's just get these out of the way. What do we think is going to happen next with Eli? Twitter's already is already is already circling the wagons, and there's a ton a ton of ideas of what's going to happen. I'll give you my personal opinion of how this is going to go down, but there are people talking about you know Eli should Eli get traded to the Jets because now Trevor Simeon is hurt. Uh, obviously, the for the longest time it's been the Colts. Um, will he retire? Personally, I think he'll ride out the season, be the good teammate that he is. I think he'll, you know, he'll be the wind beneath Daniel Jones' wing, so he have, he'll have the earpiece on for the rest of the season. Um, and I think he'll be valuable. I think he'll be very valuable in the locker room. And I won't hate the fact that if Daniel Jones gets hurt, um, God forbid, Eli Manning is a capable, competent backup. So I want to just give you a quick, like two minutes. What do you think is going to happen? Can we just like, per, you, between the two of us, can we put these these conspiracy theories to bed as to what's going to happen with Eli going forward? Uh, Eli Manning has lived in the state of New Jersey for a very, very long time since he's been drafted. I believe he has four kids that are under the age of eight. Just picking, him lifting his trade clause and just picking up and moving, like let's say to Indy, Let's say to Pittsburgh, um, I think is very unlikely. I don't even think that he would want to lift this trade clause to go to the Jets. Even though that would be the less, the least invasive of the moves. Right, right. I mean, that would basically, that wouldn't be invasive at all. Move. Yeah. That <laughs> you know, <laughs> that wouldn't be a move for him. So I, I don't even see that happening. But however, you, you want to talk about another offense that dinks and dunks and that's conservative. Um, Adam Gase's offense is one of them. Um, so... Very nice. I'll be here all. I'll be here all week. But I, I agree. I just think he just rides it out. Um, rides it out. And th- there is there is a part of me though. There is a part of me though. Like I just have to think in the back of my head because I'm thinking back to these Archie Manning quotes because Archie Manning has been a little bit more upfront about this whole Giants situation and Giants relationship with Eli Manning. You know, Eli Manning has been very. You know, he's done what he's had to do and he's said the things that he's needed to say even despite through all these years of the Giants not putting the right proper talent around him on the offensive line and then the benching situation in 2016 Archie Manning has a little bit been a little bit more honest about how he's felt Archie Manning must be fucking furious right now he must be David do you remember his offseason comments his offseason comments that he had refresh my memory so what Archie said at the end of the 2018 season so at the end of last season what Archie said if Eli is done playing, I'm fine with it. But if he comes back, the Giants have got to win. They can't go through another season like this. I think, like you said, Archie has always been a little bit more boisterous when it comes to talking about his uh, his kids, especially Eli. And I don't I don't know how much stock I put into that legitimately happening. I think Eli, from day one and up until yesterday. Um, has always operated under this under the same moniker, which was no matter what team uh, this front office puts in front of me, I will put I I will put my best foot forward in terms of getting this team a W. And for a large portion of his career, he was able to do it. And it just hasn't happened the last couple of years. So I don't know. I think Archie Manning might be like he he's a less boisterous, less obnoxious. Um, version, uh, like he was the first Lavar Ball. Oh, I knew. I thought you were gonna go there. Yeah, he's not as, and I don't mean that as negative. You know, people hate Lavar Ball because he's obnoxious, and he is. But Archie Manning kind of was lead Lavar Ball before Lavar Ball. Oh yeah, because are you kidding, um, are you kidding me with the whole my son, my son will not be playing in San Diego. Yeah, that's like some. That's like some backdoor LeVar Ball shit, except he didn't do it. He wasn't as, like, boisterous about it. LeVar, yeah, I, I, I like that. I think we should stick with that. We should get that popular. Damn. Archie Manning and LeVar Ball are essentially the same person. They, they did the same thing. But so, you know, honestly, I, I think that's what this is. I think that's what that was. You know, Archie Manning can't get in trouble for saying anything yeah. he wants. 
Um, the same way that Eli Apple's mom couldn't get in trouble in the same way that, well, well, Eli Apple's mom got in trouble. Well, yeah. I don't think John Mara liked it. Well, I'm sure John Mara didn't like Archie's comments, but there's only the reach is only so far. Right. Um, I don't really, I don't put a lot of stock into that. I don't, I, I think Eli Manning from day one, like I said, has been focused on winning football games for this team. And the greatest thing about Eli is I, I wholeheartedly believe that his number one focus on Sunday against Tampa Bay is winning the football game. And what, right. however he does, however his new role has him, sees him doing that, he will do it. We're, we are going to move to Daniel Jones, but we've seen David, Eli Manning, is not here to mentor. He's not. Like, we've seen it subtly. Subtly. I've even, I was even listening to a, a, a Dale Jr. podcast last night. Um, Dale Jr. is a NASCAR driver, Dale Earnhardt Jr. And he was talking with a NASCAR Hall of Famer, Rusty Wallace, who a lot of these kind of older school thinking kinds of guys. Now, I understand NASCAR and football are to- two totally different sports. Where NASCAR, you know, you're the only one that's out there on the track and you have your pit crew, and you have your team, whereas you're competing against 40 other, you know, 42, 40 other drivers out there. So it's a very individual sport. But Rusty Wallace, who's a Hall of Famer, was talking about never took to that teammate shit. That's, and that's exactly what he said. Never took to that teammate shit in terms of feeling that he had to be a mentor. Rusty Wallace was there to win races. He was not there to help out his teammates in terms of giving him good setups, telling him how to drive a certain track. That's not what he felt like his role was. So Eli Manning does not feel. Still, I guarantee you, even though he is second string and he will be on the bench, does not feel like his role is like Josh McCown last year with the Jets, where my role and I am being paid to be a mentor. Doesn't mean that he won't do it, but I, you've seen it subtly from Eli through these last few years. Anytime that he's been asked about being a mentor, anytime he's asked about his time that's not spent on the fo- football field as a New York football giant, it's been very, nope, not here to do that. Not here to do that. I'm here to win football games. And that's the competitive spirit and the competitive desire that you love to see out of Eli. Don't know how quickly and nicely he is going to adjust to this mentor role privately think publicly it'll be great it'll be no problem but privately i can just imagine i can imagine the same feeling of brokenness that we saw eli manning at that tom coffin press conference right how he was kind of breaking down i can imagine it's that same thing it's that same feeling of helplessness and brokenness well it's funny and and you said that and i i when i heard the news this morning i automatically thought of Two years ago, when he got benched for Geno Smith before the Oakland Raider game, he broke down in front of his locker. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I forgot about that too. It, it was it, it was the, it was the, it was the same thing, and and you know people got on him for that, and I get it. I completely get it. And to me, as a Giants fan, it makes me it makes me love the guy even more because he really does <laughs> bleed blue. This is what he knows. This is where this is where he feels he belongs is as the starting quarterback under center for this football team, and Justin. I think you make a great point about I don't know, you know, not knowing how quickly he'll he'll take to the mentor role and if that's how he why he feels like he's even here. But just to play devil's advocate on that, I do think something has to be said for in the last couple of years, one of the big things that you especially Justin have complained about is is, is this front office and and you know, the the powers that be of this team with kind of this blind loyalty to Eli. And I almost think Eli has to have felt that. Has to have been aware that kind of no matter how tough the going got, he, in, at the end of the day, when the, dust, when the dust settled, he would still be the quarterback because of what he's meant to this team. And because he always had, in theory, the capability of, of throwing for 300 yards. And, 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 you know, he could still do that now and again. So I think he was always very confident that it didn't matter about about any of the backup quarterbacks they brought in, any of the rookies they drafted, because at the end of the day, it was Eli. And, and he knew that John Mara believed it was Eli. And Jerry Reese, it was Eli. It, it didn't matter. This one is different, clearly. 
you know, he said it himself when, when he was asked uh, yesterday about when, when Pat Shermer kind of left the door open for the conversation beginning, he said in front of his locker, you know, yeah, I get it. You, you start 0-2, you draft somebody high, those conversations are going to get going. Um, he's, you know, obviously this is a much different scenario than it was with Davis Webb or Kyle Loletta. Um, so he might now realize that kind of blind loyalty is gone. They're still loyal, but they've made the move and the move is made. So now he needs to like operate under the assumption that, okay, no, this is really happening now to use that Michael Scott meme. And when, when they have the fire, when he comes out of the, uh, out of the office and he, and he's screaming, okay, it's happening. That's I think Eli Manning right now. Another thing I didn't like um, today, and this doesn't necessarily surprise me, but no Dave Gettleman, no John Mara. I th- you'll probably, I feel like you'll probably see them tomorrow or Thursday. I, I would hope so. You'll see him. You'll definitely see him before, before Tampa. So I would say it'll probably be the end of the week. You'll see them. I think you'll I think you'll for sure see Gettleman. Um uh, John Mara, I'm not so sure. I do get the feeling that John Mara likes to hide behind his likes to hide behind his guys until he and feels I, and I don't mind that until until he doesn't feel like it anymore. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I don't I mean, mind you that. said that before the season started, you were you were livid that he spoke. Um but in my opinion, there are point there are times, especially when you know the owner is has as much of a hand as John Mara does in making these decisions, I want to hear from everybody. I want to hear from everyone. And they're all going to say the same damn thing, so it doesn't really matter, but I want to hear from all of them. All right, David. So, uh, Daniel Jones is going to be the next starting quarterback for the New York Football Giants for the next 10 to 15 years. I'm glad. I'm glad he's playing. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he's starting. I'm glad the New York Football Giants have gotten on board with the trends of the league to play rookie quarterbacks, their rookie quarterbacks, as much as humanly possible to maximize the cheap rookie deal to, number one, figure out if Daniel Jones is going to be our guy, and number two, see what he needs, assess what he needs around him to succeed, draft accordingly, and spend in free agency accordingly. Because the Giants are going to be looking at, I would say at least... 70 to 75 million dollars worth of cap space, you know, when all this dead money cap comes off the Giants uh Giants books and Eli's contract comes off and Janoris Jenkins probably gets cut or traded or I think he gets cut. I think Alec Ogletree, no, I don't I think I know Alec Ogletree is going to not be on this football team next year. So when all these guys, you know, there's even a chance that Golden Tate's contract is basically a one or a two year deal. And then after that, the guaranteed money comes off the books. So the Giants are going to have a lot of money to spend and to spend and to spend all around for, for whatever they may want. And it's important to know what Daniel Jones is going to need. And the way that you evaluate that is by how he plays and who is going to maximize Daniel Jones. What is going to maximize Daniel Jones? Yeah, and look no further. Giants fans look no further than what the Arizona Cardinals did with the last two drafts. I think the Eagles. Are, I think the Eagles are a better comparison. I'm first addressing first addressing the idea. We don't know, you know, not to take you know two step forwards and three steps back, but we don't know still for a fact that Daniel Jones is going to produce to the level we think he will. As an NFL quarterback, I know that a lot of people are going to get very frustrated because I'm extremely high on Daniel Jones. Don't get me wrong, especially after the summer. Don't get me wrong. We saw basically everything in the preseason that we needed to see. There were really no boxes left to check. But now there are more mental things that we need to we need to find out how he handles. I want to see how he handles his first interception. How does he handle his first three and out? How does he handle the first time that the opposing team scores and they go three and out? How does he handle a day where Saquon Barkley runs for 30 yards? I need, I want to see those kinds of things. How does he handle Philadelphia? How does he handle, you know, uh, Foxborough in the cold? Things like that. I think he'll handle it very, very well, but we don't know that for a fact. 
Now, David, I, I think there's I think the only chance that the Giants have at replicating what Arizona did is if Dave Gettleman is fired at the conclusion of this season. And I think there's literally zero percent chance that that happens. I'm not suggesting that will happen, but I'm kind of just using the Cardinals as a guide. What the Cardinals did was brilliant. It was very smart. Draft Josh Rosen. You play Josh Rosen. You didn't like what you saw. So you you were committed to your to your plan. Your plan was we're finding our quarterback. We're not gonna we're not gonna stay in this kind of middle ground with a quarterback we're not really totally bought into. You go ahead and you draft Kyle, you, you you draft Kyler Murray. And so far, Kyler Murray seems to kind of have a bit of an it factor. I th- I think he's good for Arizona. On a very bad football team. <laughs> exactly. On a very bad football team. I think they'll get better, and they'll get better with Kyler Murray at the helm. It's very smart. I'm not suggesting the Giants are going to go ahead, draft in top five, and take another quarterback. I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting they're about to draft Justin Herbert, and they're not going to draft. You know, they're going to draft Will Greer. I'm not suggesting any of that. You don't know what you're going to see. Look at the Ravens. Look what happened with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson. You drafted him at the back end of the first round, and he's playing like an MVP early on. Very good. Week two. First two weeks, that's MVP, MVP caliber production. David, he had almost a year's full and worth of experience to make mistakes for people to question him and say that he is not an NFL thrower. Then he had an offseason to work on those mistakes. He had a whole, you know, half, half a year plus worth of film plus postseason, postseason work to work with going into the season. Like right. you said, Two weeks against the Dolphins, and then who do they play week two? Yeah, Cardinals. Two Cardinals, bad week two. Teams. Two bad football teams, but Lamar Jackson's look good. David, I want to go, I think a better comparison in terms of what the Giants are going to try to do um, is, you know, not necessarily teams like the Ravens and the Cardinals because they're both a little unproven, but also especially the Cardinals have not exactly been the poster child of how to do things the last few years. So I want to go to teams that are already have been successful and compare and, you know, looking at what the Giants should aspire to be. And I really want to go to the Eagles. Um, I have to, I have to admit, I am envious of the Eagles, and I almost think I hate them more because of how well they've built their roster over the, over the last few years. And it starts with the quarterback, David. It starts with the quarterback. They played Carson Wentz's rookie year. They knew what they had to do. They knew who they had to surround him with for him to be successful. And really, in my opinion, it's putting way more stock into your offensive line and into your defense. Those are the two main parts. They've pretty much... Now, Alshon Jeffrey's nothing to sneeze about, but Alshon Jeffrey is nowhere near a clear-cut, maybe top 15 wide receiver. Nowhere near that point. I think maybe in Chicago he was, hasn't developed to that point, where I also don't even think the the Eagles offense really needs a quote-unquote stud wide receiver. That defense is legit. That pass rush is legit. I think that secondary has been riddled with injuries these last few years. They got some good names back there. Malcolm Jenkins and McLeod. That safety combination is nothing to sneeze about. Let's go over to Los Angeles. Jared Goff doesn't even look like an NFL quarterback his rookie year. Second year, Jeff Fisher gets out. He gets under the right system with McVay. Boom. These guys are competing for a playoff spot every single year. They made it to the Super Bowl last year. And this all started, this whole, I think, winning with quarterbacks under your rookie deal really started with the Legion of Boom in Seattle. The fact that Russell Wilson was on his contract, so the Seahawks were able to go out, spend, put resources in their football team. Now, once Russell Wilson got his money, name me the last time the Seahawks have had a team where you're like, that team can go out and win a Super Bowl. You're right. Uh, they 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 always seem though to somehow compete, which I think is a testament to how good Russell Wilson is. Because Russell Wilson's a very good quarterback, but at the same time, when you're paying a quarterback twenty five, thirty plus million dollars every single year, which is normal in the NFL today, I think twenty five is low. That's a huge chunk of your cap. So that is why the five years that you have your rookie quarterbacks are so so important. So the sooner that you can work out the kinks to these rookie quarterbacks, the better. And this is a league-wide trend. I don't care what you have to say 
about Aaron Rodgers sitting on the bench. Don't care what you have to say about Patrick Mahomes. Those two guys were always going to be great, regardless of how many, how much time they've spent on the bench. David, this is all to say, I'm happy he's starting. The Giants are doing something right. They are doing something right. They are doing something exciting. They're doing something exciting. David, I want to turn the conversation to Pat Shermer now as a coach, as the head coach of this football team. Do you want? Do you mind if we go there? Go ahead. So for all of you that are trying to already push Pat Shermer out the building, I understand the frustration. I understand the frustration about this. This, this is a head coach who has one of the worst winning percentages as a head coach in his first 50 games in NFL history. That's not good. 50 games is a pretty solid sample size. Wouldn't you say so, David? For sure. I understand the frustration. Even when Eli Manning was at quarterback, the interesting play calling, the almost stubbornness to stick what he feels works for his offense instead of what should work for the football team, in which for Eli Manning, that was passing out of running formations, that was utilizing play action more. He was stubborn. He didn't do it as much as he should. Now, Pat Shermer, this is not breaking news, but I want to remind everybody, when you're evaluating Pat Shermer, Pat Shermer was not brought in to be the New York Football Giants coach to revitalize Eli Manning's career. Ben McAdoo was hired to do that. He was fired because he couldn't do it. Pat Shermer was brought in to mentor and to form the next of kin at quarterback. Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman, even if you're a Dave Gettleman critic and you're saying that, you know, Dave Gettleman's the one to blame for this 0-2 start, Pat Shermer's the one to blame for this 0-2 start, Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer's jobs are on the line starting now. And if Pat Shermer can't get the most out of Daniel Jones, because now the playbook opens up. Now we're talking about a quarterback who is limited, a quarterback who is limited in the plays that you can call, limited in the in the offense that, that he can run, that is no longer the excuse. So their jobs are on the line starting this Sunday. I agree with you. It, I, I think for Gettleman and Shermer, and I would say Shermer even more so, generally speaking, I, I think it's fair to say head coaches go before go before GMs. Yeah, especially especially on the Giants. And and that's yeah. and that's not like a and I you know, I guess it, it could be a dig, but it's also not a dig because you know, you saw how much turnover came in just 2-3 years. Sterling Shepard is the only member of the Giants 2016 draft class left on this football team. Paul Perkins was cut this week. That's that's a huge huge turnover. So the reason why I say that Pat Shermer is even more so on the hot seat than Dave Gettleman is, especially now, is there. I get it. They're zero two. Say what you want. They're zero two. If you are a Giants fan and you don't believe this team is still going in a positive direction, I don't know what to tell you. You're you are just looking for. You're, you're looking to be miserable. This move within itself is a huge positive. But even before that, and I com- Justin, I totally agree with you. And and you and I have agreed on that for for you know, for especially if this if this hadn't happened today, that's exactly what we would be saying today on on this pod, I on this episode. I would have read you the lyrics to the BG song Tragedy, and I'm going to do that right now. Here are the lyrics to uh or here's the lyrics to the chorus. Of the of the of the BG song called Tragedy, which is my favorite BG song, I can do a great BG's impersonation, but we'll we'll save that for another episode. Save save it for a live stream. Yeah, I'll save it for a live stream. This was going to be the intro of our episode, so I'm going to read you the lyrics. Tragedy. <laughs> if if Eli Manning was going to be the quarterback against the Buccaneers, this whole situation would be a tragedy. When the feeling's gone and you can't go on, it's a tragedy. When the morning cries and you don't know why, it's hard to bear with no one to love you. You're going nowhere. David, with Eli Manning as this team's quarterback, they were going nowhere. And it's a tragedy. We were losing control. We got no soul. It's tragedy. We were going nowhere. You're right. It's 
and, and it's a disservice to the team Dave Gettleman's put together. This this is a team, and I stand by this. I, to really, really briefly get into the Bills game, briefly. Second half, I'm sorry, defense played well. I get we want to put everything on the defense. I totally understand that because they did they did not stop a nosebleed in the first half outside of the first first drive of the game. They couldn't stop anything. It was easier than Dallas. It was an easier time for Buffalo than Dallas had week one. Come the second half, really the back end of the second quarter, through the second half to the last drive of the fourth quarter, the defense really didn't allow anything. Not scores, honestly, not really first downs. They kept the Giants in pretty plus field position. They they did their job. They had the momentum, David. The Giants had the momentum. And it, it started with the defense. It did not start with the offense. The, the Giants' offense couldn't score. And then we, as a fan base, got all pissed off at the Giants' defense when the Giants' offense finally wakes up. Eli hits a couple passes. We score a touchdown. You make it a one-possession game, and the defense the defense can't make the stops. NFL defenses should make stops when, in those situations. And as this defense progresses, there's in my head, there is still reason to believe that this is a team that will get themselves together because they showed it. In the second half of that football game, they showed this is a defense that can work. They got pressure. They forced some tip balls, which in time could turn into could turn into interceptions. They got pressure. They sacked Josh Allen. They made him uncomfortable. That This defense is capable of that. The offense needs to do their part, so it was time. Dave Gettleman has put together a football team that can succeed, and they finally it took two weeks but they completed the turnaround. They they made the I, I tweeted during the game on Sunday. There's one change that needs to be made. It's the last change. It needs to just happen. It's going to be it was going to be hard no matter when it happens. You just need to do it. And this isn't to solely put the blame on Eli Manning for the start of the season, but David, you just look at we had the momentum when we made the game 21 to 14. And I'm thinking, holy shit, you know, we we put together a stop and, you know, we're, we, were, we were in the football game. We were very much in the football game. We put seven points on the board. Bills were held scoreless throughout the entire third quarter. Pat Shermer started really, really utilizing 12 personnel, 21 personnel, utilizing play action in the right ways that isn't Eli Manning rolling out to his right totally away from the tackles. He was, it was, it was going well. And then just because I... I guess, you know, I, I'm not an NFL play caller. You can't be running out of these same formations over and over and over again. And there are just so many things that you could do out of 11 personnel because that's just that that's the NFL, David. The NFL is 11 personnel. You know, we've been trying to sugarcoat it this offseason by saying the Giants are going to try to, you know, move back the clock a little bit and, you know, going under center a lot more with, you know, all these tight ends. Give me a fullback. Give me Saquon. Pound the rock. Play action. Dink and dunk. And that's just not the NFL. It, it, it's it's not. We were trying, you know, I, I think we tried to be positive. We did a great job of being positive and we were right. We were right about how the Giants with Eli Manning how ha- had to move the ball, but they just, it just couldn't sustain itself. For enough time to keep defenses on their toes. Justin, I want to read you really quick a summary of the possessions of this football game because I think people, and this is going to be overlooked because of this Eli Manning news, and I don't want this to get overlooked because there's there's going to be a pocket of people who still believe, what's the point? The defense sucks. Oh my God, the defense is so horrible. This, is a, this defense is worse than the Perry Field defense. Shut up. Pay attention. School's in session. First first half. These were the Bills' possessions. Three plays, three yards, punt. Ten plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Eleven plays, 70 yards, touchdown. Seven plays, 98 yards, touchdown. Three straight possessions, all over at least 70 yards, touchdowns. They couldn't stop anything. I get it. From that point on, the Bills went three plays, negative eight yards, punt. This is now into the second half. Three plays, negative two yards, punt. Four plays, 17 yards, punt. Three plays, two yards, punt. In that span, from that last possession of the second half until that final possession I just read, the Giants amounted zero points. 
That can't happen. In that same time frame, the Giants managed two plays, 12 yards, interception, eight plays, 11 yards, punt, three plays, seven yards, punt, and then finally they scored only to be followed by a Buffalo score, completely undoing the Giants' score. This, like I said, like I've said in the past, the Giants' offense needed to be perfect, especially with Eli Manning at the helm. It needed to be perfect. It needs to be perfect for the sake of a growing defense, of a defense that's not there yet. But they showed in the second half they they can succeed. That's not just they didn't allow scores. They didn't allow first downs. They didn't. They were not allowing yardage. They made the the, the Bills' life very difficult. For a large portion of that second half. Yeah, the Bills also made their own lives difficult because I don't know what the hell they were doing at times. Like, <laughs> they got the ball back, I think, with like 50 seconds to go with multiple timeouts at the end of the first half. And they just like gave up. They were moving the ball at will. David, you said three straight drives of 70 plus yard touchdowns. And they just like, oh, yeah, we'll 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 take this to the locker room and we won't score even though we're moving the ball at will. But neither here nor there, regardless of how the Giants defense was stopping the Buffalo Bills, the offense still had to take advantage and respond, and they did not. Eli Manning had the opportunity to play quarterback. Now, granted, I know it's a tough Buffalo Bills defense. This offense just couldn't get it done with the quarterback that Eli Manning is right now. And it's sad. It's absolutely sad. And that's why we're excited for Daniel Jones. We're excited for what he can bring to the table. Run pass option. I feel a lot better now about running 11 personnel, maybe 65, almost 70% of the time. I feel great about that. I know for a fact, Pat Shermer feels great about that. I feel great that when Golden Tate comes back in, in, in a couple weeks, He's going to be a big guy coming out of the screen game. Pat Shermer loves utilizing screens. Maybe we'll be able to use Evan Ingram in some interesting ways for screens that isn't just him lining up with his hand to the ground as a tight end. Saquon Barkley, how many years has it been? It, well, not, not how many years. Ever since Eli Manning started his time as a New York football giant, he has never been able to throw successful screens to running backs. Never consistently. How big of a weapon could Saquon Barkley be in a screen game, which is a designed play that goes either you know behind the line of scrimmage or close to the line of scrimmage? It's not a check down. So all of these different things, and this is why we're you know I'll say it again: Pat Shermer now has the opportunity to open up the playbook. We are going to see the type of coach and the type of offense that Pat Shermer is going to run now that Eli Manning is gone. It is his time right now. There will be no more excuses. Now, I, Daniel Jones is a rookie quarterback, but I think you we will be able to see pretty clearly, pretty clearly, whether it's, oh, Daniel Jones just isn't executing right, or, oh, Pat Shermer isn't giving Daniel Jones enough to succeed. The Giants' offense has done this team a disservice in the, in the first two games. I get it. The defense has not been good. But this following, this following quote, I'm about to read is a problem, an extremely large problem. This is this is actually written by my not so friend Matt Lombardo um, on ng.com. Really quick, I'm I'm reading a quote, so oh it's not God. this isn't his stupid opinion. Don't worry. This is a uh, Bill Safety Micah Hyde quote. We knew that if we tried to force them to throw the ball more, we would have success. They're a totally different offense when they have to throw the ball. And and that he was saying once you make a team one dimensional, you you know it's hard to operate as an offense. And then you saw he said you saw last week the Cowboys got up on them and the defenses were able to be a little bit more successful because they had to throw the ball more. If in and I'm all about just because quote unquote today's offense operates a certain way doesn't mean the Giants have to operate the same way. But if teams can go into the game and say, we got to make this team throw the ball, we need to make this quarterback throw the ball. That means that your quarterback can't play the game anymore. Isn't that insane how that is teams' game plans to force the Giants to throw the football exactly, in that's a my passing point. league? That, that just that it goes <laughs> to show that defenses understand the way to stop this team is stop Saquon Barkley, stop their running game, make Eli throw the ball. 
And guess what? Even with that game plan, that seemed to be working fairly well. Saquon still managed 107 yards rushing. So now think about it. Like you're saying, Justin, now I'm more confident in spreading, spreading things out a little bit. Get some RPO action going. Get some more creative in-space designs. Get Daniel Jones moving. Think about how much more of a weapon everybody on this offense becomes. This offense is extremely versatile and extremely athletic. Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Cody Latimer. From what we saw, Cody Core and TJ Jones looked really good last week. Yeah, we're probably going to see a lot more of them because um, with Latimer, uh, with Latimer and Shepard's concussions, yeah, we you know from all these concussions, I said, um, I tweeted out. With all these concussions that we are getting, I am now also getting. <laughs> You're going to go into the protocol. I I also do need to go into the <laughs> concussion pro- concussion protocol for for podcasters. Nice. What does that entail? Um, David, it involves me saying the ABCs backwards, starting with Z. That's what the concussion protocol is. Yep. For podcasts. For podcast, of course. I, I doubt the NFL players have to have to do that. Wow, did you just did you just did you just subtly call NFL players stupid? Uh, no, because saying the 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 ABCs backwards is not easy. I can't do it. I've always thought that's a really really poor um measuring stick of like measuring instrument of your sobriety because I couldn't do that sober. All right, so how about this? They have to make you say your ABCs not backwards, like just regular. Yeah, if How you have a concussion, that? that should be hard enough, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think some, that's might, good. some might some might say like yourself, just saying the ABCs regular even when you're not concussed. If you're an NFL player, is difficult. I I get tripped up around the LMN. That's tough. These uh these kids today might be inclined to say LMAO. That's how the uh that's how the alphabet goes. And the second they say LMAO, you got a concussion. You can't go to sleep. For those for those listeners who don't know what LMAO means, it means laughing my arse off. Yes. Of uh, I wish we could have this this type of banter like the entire time, but it was just such a serious topic to talk about today. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, UCLA press is probably very happy with most of this podcast. If he's still here, he's probably shut off now because we got we got silly. I really want to know if he's continued to listen to us and if he knows that he's like a uh, recurring a guest. running, not, not a, not a running joke, but yeah, like a, 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 he's recurring, a, he's guest. a recurring guest. Yeah. He sits here with us. Basically he keeps us honest. He keeps us, he keeps yeah. us to the point. I think we've been too serious lately. I don't like how serious we've been. I want, I want to get back to the funny and joking David and Justin. Um, well, it's hard to be funny and joking when you're 0-2 and you have seemingly no direction. But now they have a direction. Uh Justin, I get it. We're gonna um we're gonna have our our, our normal pregame show um later in the week. Yes. But let me ask you this vague question. Do you think with with Daniel Jones taking over, are you more, less, or equally as confident? as you were if Eli Manning were starting week three. In the Giants' ability to win win this football game. Equally. Equally as confident, okay. Which means that I'm not confident, because I was not confident. I'm not confident in the Giants' ability to do anything right now. Now, I could be wrong. I've been wrong about basically not. I've been, I've been wrong about a, a half of the season so far. So <laughs> I knew that we were going to lose week one. I thought we were going to win week two because I think I just wanted it to happen so bad. I really don't know what's going to happen week three. Um, I, I, I could tell you, I could tell you, um, Jameis Winston's going to have a breakout game. I can tell you that Jameis Winston is going to find his stride uh, under Bruce Arian and Brian. Le- do you know that Byron left left? Blah. Do you know that Byron Leftwich is the offense coordinator for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yes, yes, I did. It's wild. You know, it's funny. I that one's so under the radar, and I had so little idea that was the case that I was watching the Bucks Panthers game, and they said Byron Leftwich is gonna love that or something. And I thought to myself, "Oh, James Winston's hurt. Byron Leftwich, Leftwich is playing." And then I realized, though, Byron Leftwich is like forty-five. You thought the broadcasters made a mistake? 
and they called. No, I thought they were. I thought I thought I had missed Jameis Winston getting hurt, and Byron Leftwich was the backup. Oh my god! I thought he was playing. <laughs> that's how. That's how un unaware I was that he was actually the offensive coordinator. And then it dawned on me that Byron Leftwich was like forty five seven years ago. He looks like he could still play. He probably could. He's probably in better shape than Jameis Winston is. That's the go-to joke. But also, like, he just looks younger than James. Jameis Winston just looks like a mess. He's a mess of a human being. <laughs> now, that's not nice. Hey, for, uh, for a rapist who, uh, who steals crabs from Costco. Wow, you really went Yeah, uh, Jameis Winston's a rapist. I, I was... I was skirting around it. I was he, I, yeah. James James Winston is a rapist. I, I, I'm sorry, he is. So I I think we're we're pretty much at the end of our um, <laughs> at the end of our episode uh, analysis. But I I need to point out one more oh, big thing because this is our Eli episode where we got where from here on out we're 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 Daniel Jones talk going forward. We're we're talking about the future of this team week in week out. Daniel Jones is the quarterback. How crazy is it, Justin? That in the span of like 24 hours, 48 hours, the NFL potentially has seen now officially the last time Eli Manning, potentially Ben Roethlisberger, although he did say he's coming back next season. Depends how bad this injury is, Drew Brees. In like the span of 36 hours, all three of them, these are all Super Bowl winning quarterbacks all fixtures of their franchise, fixtures of the NFL, all went down in the same week. That's crazy to me. It, we are we are officially at a we're at a turning point in this NFL. A lot of the a lot of these guys that we are accustomed to are 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 being swapped out. Terrible technique throwing uh Philip Rivers is still slinging it in uh in LA. Yeah, well somehow somehow Philip Rivers manages to like throw the ball without actually throwing the ball it looks like have you ever noticed it's, that it's weird when philip rivers throws the ball it looks like he he like t-rexes it it's very odd. i don't know how he manages it <laughs> i don't know how he manages it but he does and um yeah it, it's it's got an, it you know what it's won him a whole lot of freaking nothing i can't stand philip rivers wow what did he do oh philip rivers is be- philip rivers is better than the eli manning no he's not shut up just stop it Philip Rivers has consistently had better teams around him than Eli Manning has had for the majority of his career and has done jack poop with all of them. You know, like Philip Rivers has like 17 kids. Yeah, him and Antonio Cromartie. Antonio Cromartie has like has like 13 children with like 14 women. That's impossible. <laughs> Rather, 13 children with 12 women. Philip Rivers also like he seems to be always like too energetic and like too into the situation. Like, like it, I, I don't know. I, I don't really follow Philip Rivers that often, but every time I see him, I'm like, Oh, he's obviously a man who has 22 kids at home. And he just needs to be like on edge all the time. And just talking like this and just so engaged into the conversation. Like it's actually, it's actually unbelievable. Well, what's really funny also is I feel like, I feel like Philip Rivers getting really excited in like a, in like a team huddle is just a lot of very loud, enthusiastic yelling. But it's like, it's like when the dad is like get, trying to get the family really excited for a, like a family road trip. Yes. Nobody wants to go on. And like he he's in, he's like in the car in the front seat, like playing the Bee Gees. And he's like, come on guys, this is a great song. Like, come on, like, listen, listen to this guys. It's great. It's a great road trip. song. we have a great time. And all the kids are like, shut up. I just want to go home or like, shut up. You're so annoying. Can, are we, can we please get there? They just they just want the experience to be over. They just want the game to start. So Philip Rivers is as far. Do you as think they're playing? He seems like he's probably. Do you think really the, Do you need, Do you think uh, Philip Rivers is playing the the BG song "Tragedy" in that car to get everybody pumped up? No, they're probably they're probably playing "Staying Alive" because every freaking year the Chargers are dead in the water by like week nine, and then they they turn it up at the end of the season. They make the playoffs to do absolutely nothing in the playoffs, so they probably play "Staying Alive" on re- on repeat. They just preemptively they just start playing it so that they get themselves going for the second half of the season when they'll inevitably go seven and one and sneak into the playoffs to lose to the Patriots. Ha 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 ha. 
thought we said we were, uh, Justin, I thought we I thought we had a deal about that, Justin. I thought it was gonna happen on the live stream. So the New York football giants are 0 and 2, trying to keep their season alive in Tampa Bay this Sunday, 1 p.m. And um we'll have a pregame show on it, David. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So you'll be hearing us from us uh, this weekend. Uh, that was a really awkward ending, and that was a really awkward transition. I feel like it was one of our worst transitions. But at least for a solid maybe couple minutes, you really got us to uh, got to hear us just like talking and just like hanging out and just chilling and not taking things too serious. So, uh, I, David, I think we're gonna end it there because that's because we need to end this. <laughs> yes, we do. We are we are quite long now. I hope everybody listening got stuck in a lot of traffic on the way into work so you could listen to the whole thing. Yep. Yep. So uh, keep on bleeding blue. Um, go Daniel Jones. Here we go. Yeah. Next 15 years. You're not going to miss a single game. Week four against the Redskins. If I hear anybody in that stadium booing, I will find you and I will kill you. I mean, boo the defense. Yeah, boo the defense all you want. I don't care. Boo James Betcher, boo the if defense. Necessary. I don't care. That's totally fine. But But like when... When Daniel Jones first gets announced as the, as the, you know, when he first trots out for the first possession, if I hear booing, I swear to everything that is holy, I, I oh, will find you. I will end you. Your existence Whoa. will be terminated. You know, formations and personnel. Would- exactly. A player on the Giants touched my butt. He's not on the Giants anymore. David's going to touch your butt. I'm not on the Giants. David's, David's going to touch your butt. We're conference, bitch. What the fuck you talk? Oh, my God. All right, um, keep on bleeding blue. You'll hear from us later this week. Um, and um, go Giants because we want to win. That would be great if we can win. Peace. David. Eli, I will always love you. Daniel, I already love you. Stay beautiful, everybody.